Man, we um, yesterday got an opportunity to drive over to New Hampshire, uh, Kristen and I, and uh, check out our marriage retreat spot and kind of walk around where we're hosting the marriage retreat. And we picked, I think, the perfect weekend to drive to New Hampshire along with the rest of New England. It was absolutely beautiful, and the traffic was something. Anyway, um, but no, the, the trees were beautiful, the colors were beautiful, and uh, I, this might be, now I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people love summer in Maine, but man, there's nothing like fall in Maine. In North Carolina, we didn't really, you know, we kind of got the temperatures of fall, but like you have summer for 50 weeks out of the year, and then like a, a spring for two weeks out of the year. So you just, you just kind of didn't get it. So it just, uh, anyway, sorry. Um, enough about the weather. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 11, and we're going to continue with our series that we've been walking through as we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. And so we've been talking about, and, and kind of the theme for this this, this series and the verse that launched us into this series is Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If our purpose is the body of Christ, Ephesians 5, 1, is to imitate Him, therefore, as His dear children, right? Then what are we imitating? What are we pursuing? What is, what is the thing that we are to, what is the person, who is the person that we're to model our life after? And so we're just getting to know Jesus deeper here as we look at these I am statements. And this I am statement, I've got to be honest with you, um, it, it's, it's probably personally one of the more intimidating ones to me. I am the resurrection and the life, you know, preaching about the resurrection and, and different things like that. It's, it's something that I think we all kind of, kind of understand, right? But, but I'm not sure it's something we really think a lot about. And um, I'm not really sure it's something that we make much of, and maybe we ought to make more of, um, but Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The other thing that I've noticed as I've been walking through this and talking through uh, with, with a few other folks, um, some, some of you, is that I find Jesus to be a little bit repetitive here, haven't you? Like, this is... This is probably the third or fourth time as I'm thinking about it that Jesus says, I offer life. And he's not even done yet because we're going to be talking about I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so I I think Jesus is trying to get across that in him, there's a better way. In him, there's a better life that he offers. And so if we think back to the theme of John, John is teaching that Jesus is better. Jesus is the better than. He's greater than. And he's consistent with that in his theme here as he records Jesus saying, I offer abundant life. Um, I'm the resurrection and the life. And, and so I find that interesting. And, and in John chapter 11, where we're going to be this morning, I think it's perhaps the most significant claim that Jesus makes about himself. I think it's perhaps the most significant claim because I believe it's the claim that offers potentially the most hope. The most hope. Now I recognize that we all sitting in here are in different seasons of life, right? And I think that these I am statements probably hit us harder at different seasons of life for some of them. But I think 
consistently, this is probably one of the most significant claims that Jesus makes of these seven I am statements. These I am statements are declarations of his deity, if you haven't been with us. And in John 11, Jesus declares he's the resurrection and the life. And his claim is that you can have sure hope in the face of death because he conquers death and gives people eternal life. Now, what's important about this, Jesus making the claim that he conquers death. He, the person and work of Jesus, he conquers death and offers eternal life. Is Listen to this, no other leader in any major religion, and I would even include, I, I would even include any other religion, but let's just say any major religion, religion and any other major religion makes such a claim. No leader makes such a claim in any other major religion that they are the resurrection and the life, that they offer eternal life in their, in, in their person, in their being, in the, in, the, in the person of Jesus, He offers eternal life. And I think there's some major implications for us, but before we keep going, I want to read the text. So John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 17. Jesus has been doing work. He's been traveling. He's been working miracles. He's been leading the disciples. And I actually want to back up in verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, that you may believe but let us go to him. Now, I find that interesting. We're in verse 15 here, so we're leading up to it. I find that interesting, and I was reading it this morning just to kind of do a little bit of final preparation, and I read that verse again, I thought, man, we got to talk about that, because Jesus is setting the stage that he's about to do something awesome. He's setting the stage that he's about to do something amazing. He's setting the stage that he's about to do something that no one else can do. And why? For your sake, he says. For your sake, for your sake, we are going to go. And I'm glad, I'm glad that I was not there so that, why? So that you might believe. But let us go to him. So then verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, this is interesting. Okay, this is interesting. A little bit of a history lesson, a little bit to kind of bring you up to speed and go into the classroom for just a minute. Don't fall asleep, guys. Okay, listen, this is important. It's important that, that Jesus uh, and that John records that he had already been in the tomb for four days because Jewish tradition, right, believed that someone that had died could come back, right, within three days. Okay? Within three days. So their belief was that you had, what is that? 24, 40, 72 hours, right? 70, see that math? Awesome. Okay? All right. Um, and so seven, 72 hours that, that, that they had to return from death, so to speak, right? And so the fact that, that, that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, right, says some things that this was truly going to have to be a miracle that people couldn't explain away if Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. Isn't that cool? Like knowing that right there, the whole, the whole four-day thing, kind of takes this story even more 
awesome, right? Because Jesus is about to, there's, there's no other way to explain this other than the fact that Jesus is about to work a miracle. And some of you that know the story, you've, you've, you, you know where we're going with this. Others, just buckle your seatbelt, this gets good. Verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Okay, so Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, and, and, and many people, many of the Jews had come to console them uh, concerning, concerning their brother's death. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Do you see the, do you see the faith of Martha there? I mean, Jesus, you can almost hear like an accusatory statement, an accusatory tone, at least I can when I hear Martha running out to Jesus. Jesus, if you'd have been here... Lazarus wouldn't have died. My brother would be alive. But even now, even so, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha was just hearing the comfort that we give at a Christian you know, funeral. That, hey, we're going to see your brother again one day in heaven and eternity when we get to there where eternal worship is going to happen. We're going to see him. And she says, I know. That's so comforting. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we don't see that in the text. But you can kind of hear her response or see her face of, of comfort comfort for Jesus to console her. And Jesus said to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now this was huge. Because not only, right, not only is Martha saying, yes, you know, I believe one day my brother is going to, you know, going to rise again and, and going to be in eternity with me to, to worship you forever, but I believe that you're the Christ. What she's saying there, and we're going to talk about it again in just a few minutes when we walk through the passage, but I think we've got to highlight it right now because it's important. It's an important truth in this text. What she's saying here. When she says, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. What she's saying is she believes, she believes that Jesus is the promise from the Old Testament. She is claiming and she's making that claim that Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the one that they've been waiting for for all of these years that they've been listening about, that they've been, that they've been hearing about, that the promised sacrifice, the promised Son of God from the Old Testament. And so the fact that she believes is huge. Now, we're going to talk about how, and I'm going to, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, okay? Jesus does raise Lazarus from the dead. Wow. Okay, so if you didn't know the story, there you go, spoiler. 
But before we get there, there are three things that I think we need to pull out of this text about Jesus. And the first one is this. The first one is this. Jesus is our sure hope. Jesus is our sure hope. Now, we talked about it a few minutes ago, right? That no other leader in in any other major religion makes this claim that he gives eternal life. But Jesus does. And because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we have a sure hope that one day we're going to get our family back. Like, you know, let's just pause right here for just a second, and let me add a little bit of commentary here. We don't have a Patriots game that we've got to get to this afternoon. We've got all the time in the world. Second service can just come in and join us mid-preach. Is that all right? Some of y'all just got really nervous. That is why I love what we get to do. Everybody say, get to. That we get to do on Sunday morning. Because this right here, for some of us, let me explain that in just a minute, is a taste of heaven. That we get to come into this place and we get to worship God, whatever that looks like for you. Some people raise their hands, some people stick their hands in their pockets and look bored out of their mind, some people clap, some people, you know, sway, but don't sway too much. Right? I mean, and, and I'm having a little bit of fun with that, but everybody worships in their own way. But we get to come here and worship God and make much of Him and focus on Him. That ought to be our heart. That ought to be our motivation because as we say often here, God meets us at the level of our expectation. So we come here with the sole expectation, amen, that when we cross this threshold, right, it's all about worshiping God. I'm involved, Kristen and I are involved, some of you got the opportunity to be involved in, um, in Johnny and Friends this last summer. Johnny and Friends is a ministry of Johnny Erickson Tata. It's a disability ministry. Um, and, and, uh, and, I, and I'm just going to tell you, it's probably one B in my favorite places to worship. And let me explain why. Because as these people are singing songs and worshiping God and hearing Scripture read and preached, nothing matters. Like you hear people in wheelchairs that are not a half a step behind. I'm talking like two steps behind in their singing. Because their minds just can't think and, and work hard enough. It's in their mind, but they can't get their, their voices to sing out quick enough. But as you look around the room, nobody's bothered by it. It doesn't matter. It's worship. Dylan led worship a day, last Saturday down at a Johnny and Friends event in, 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 uh, in Massachusetts. And, and, and it, was, it was really fun to watch Dylan lead worship because I know, I know it was hard for him to, to, to stand up here on his guitar. Oh, let me imitate him a little bit better. Stand up here on his guitar and, uh, and, and, and have this, this young man that just couldn't help it but couldn't stay still and come up and just walk and like stand right next to him, right in his face, while Dylan's singing, what a beautiful name it is. Right? And it didn't 
matter. Why? Because it's a taste of heaven where nothing else matters other than the worship of Father. That's why I love this. That's why I love this right here is that we get a taste of people from different backgrounds, different, different stuff, different shame, different struggles, different temptations, different political parties, different jobs, different financial situations, different relationship situations, coming together and focusing not on that, but on Jesus. That's hope. That's hope. I don't know about you, but that's hope. Where we can come into a place where none of that matters and worship. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we have a sure hope that one day we're going to get our family back. And listen, preachers, and, and, and I've been in this situation before as I've talked about the resurrection and preached on the resurrection, we're always drawn towards giving the arguments in favor of the resurrection. And, and we don't have time to go, to, to go there completely, but they are very impressive. The arguments for the resurrection are very impressive. History is full of testimonies of those who sought to disprove the resurrection but were converted to Jesus because of the sheer volume that leads a fair-minded person to accept that Jesus died and rose back to life. Let me tell you something. You don't have to take a leap of faith to believe in Jesus. A step is all that's necessary to believe in Jesus because of all of the things, all of the arguments that, that are in favor of the resur resurrection. But deep down, Deep down, I don't know about you, but deep down, I want the resurrection to be true because we instinctively cry out against the power of death over our lives. Death is not the end for one that believes in Jesus. Above all, we want the resurrection to be a sure hope because we want our friends and family back. We want our friends and family back. We want to worship again with our friends and family. And some people, some people, you know, make the claim, and, and listen to me, we, we've got to take care of this right off the bat too. I should have done this a few minutes ago. We've got to take care of this right off the bat too, okay? The reality is many people try to explain what heaven's going to be like. They try to explain what it's going to look like. They try to explain, you know, like, like growing up, I thought heaven was an eternity of, of winning at basketball, that's what I thought it was. There was going to be a basketball court. And, 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 and anyway, I can't tell you why because I would just take too much time. Um, but, but, but I had my reasons, okay? So no judgment, all right? But, but, but many people have made a lot of money and, and, and traveled the world talking about what heaven's going to be like. The reality is we don't know. Are we going to recognize each other? I'm not really sure. Some scripture says, says definitively yes. Other scripture says it's not really going to matter. Like, it's not really going to matter. And I know for comfort's sake, right, we want to know, right? We want to know, oh, I'm going to see this person in heaven. We're going to be in the same mansion. Everything's going to be just like it is here. But the reality is, we don't know. Because the focus, the central focus of heaven, I believe with all of my being, isn't about that. It's about worship. 
It's about worship. And your view of worship determines whether that's really exciting for you or not. Again, God will meet you at the level of your expectation. Does that make sense? That makes sense. The reality is all we know about heaven, all we know about heaven at this point is that it's eternal worship. It's eternal worship. In every case in the New Testament, in every case in the New Testament where Jesus raised a dead person, now this gives us hope for this, right? In every case in the New Testament where Jesus raised a dead person, Jesus gave them back to their family. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus stops a funeral possession and tells the dead boy to get up. Now, the dead boy did what dead boys don't do. He sat up and he began to talk. His widowed mother got her son back because Jesus was victorious over death. Jairus, the religious leader, got his daughter back from the dead in Luke chapter 8. Jesus is assuming, no, excuse me, Jesus is assuring Martha, though she doesn't know it yet, that she's going to get her brother Lazarus back. And that's hope. That's sure hope. And we can be sure, we can be sure as anything in this room this morning that what Jesus did for Martha and Mary, he will do for you. That what Jesus did for Martha and Mary, he will do for you. What Jesus says in response to Martha's belief in the general resurrection where, 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 where Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus standing, excuse me, she's standing um, there with Jesus, and Jesus says to her that she is standing in the presence of life, everlasting life. That's sure hope. The confident hope that we have victory over death is because Jesus gives us new life. And that's number two. Not only does Jesus bring sure hope, but Jesus gives new life. Look at verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, up until this point, no one had ever spoken of the resurrection in this manner. No one ever had said that the resurrection was a person. But here Jesus is making this claim, I and the resurrection and the life. Resurrection traditionally was just an event to happen out in the future that God would accomplish. And so resurrection tied to a person was a radical and revolutionary thought. And again, just like many of the statements up until this point, Jesus is making a radical statement here. He's making a revolutionary statement in here. You could almost say that he's stirring the pot a little bit for these religious leaders and the people that, are, that he's speaking to and talking to, to make this statement, I and I alone, through my personal power, will cause the resurrection to happen. The one that believes in me, even if he dies before the great resurrection event, will come to life and never die. Now, Jesus is not saying that he will bring about the resurrection or that he will cause, uh, he will be the cause of the resurrection. Both are true, but something much stronger is what he's trying to get across here. Our resurrection from the dead and your eternal life in fellowship with God is so closely tied to Jesus that they can only be found in a relationship with Jesus. 
What he's saying is, our resurrection, our eternal life, can only be found in relationship with Jesus. Spoiler alert, another one of the I am statements that I can't wait to talk about. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one, everybody say no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we see here, right, and, 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 and that I am statement is coming up, right? But, but we see, we see that eternal life is offered through a person. Jesus. That is why. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because I know how that sounds. I know how that sounds. That is so hard for us to take today. Because the response is, well, that's a little exclusive. That's one way to look at it. That's one way to look at it. You know how I look at it? That's simple. Simple. Okay? For those of you that don't know, these are air quotes. Okay? Simple. Why simple? Because that means that all that matters for me in my life is that Jeremiah 29, 13 verse. To pursue Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but for, but for me, when I think about that, when I read that, when I hear that, that sets me free a little bit. That sets me free a little bit. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Travis, you're saying... You're saying nothing? Yes. And so for me, and so for me, the way that that frees me and my personality and my personality is that I don't have to impress and please you. I can live my life for an audience of one, Jesus. And so not only does that give me a sure hope, but that brings about a whole new perspective and freedom. And you fill in another word if you want to when I think about life. Because I'm living for an audience of one. I love the way Rick Warren puts it. If he's okay with me and I'm okay with me, if you're not okay with me, what's your problem? That's freeing. That's freeing. And that's the type of life that Jesus is, is, is talking about here repeatedly. Repeatedly, the Bible proclaims that those who believe in Jesus will immediately possess eternal life. You don't have to earn it. You just have to believe in Jesus. I, I, I was having a conversation with somebody, and some of you may have heard this before, but I, I was having a conversation with somebody one time. They're like, hey, I can't wait to come to Jesus. And I'm like, awesome. That's great. Yeah, I just I think it's going to take me a few months to just clean myself up because there's some things I've got to deal with before I feel like I'm worthy to come to Jesus. And I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. Time out. It doesn't work like that. And they're like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, no, 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 stop. You just bring yourself to Jesus. Let Him work on all that stuff in His time. You just submit and come to Jesus. But yet, how many of us feel that way? 
How many, of us have, how many of us have had conversations with people that feel that way? Yeah, you know, I'll get to church at some point. I'll get to Jesus at some point. But there's some things in my life that I've got to deal with first. No. You let Jesus deal with those things. After all, that's why he died. After all, that's why he went to the cross. So that he could deal with those things. John 8, 51 says this, I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never, and I repeat, never see death. This is the promise. Your guilt and your inadequacies are no longer the greatest power or testimony about your life. Jesus is. Jesus is. Jesus is. I think that this is what Jesus means when he speaks of new life. This new life gives us new desires. We want to love God. We want to learn about Jesus and live for Jesus. We don't just try to be the right kind of person. We become a godly person. So Jesus offers this sure hope. He brings about new life. And finally, our response is to believe. Look at Martha again in verse 26 and 27. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is asking her. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus is not asking Martha if she believes in the doctrine of the resurrection. We were, we were just talking about this a few minutes ago. She's already said that she believed that the resurrection would occur at the end of time. He is asking, does she believe that he is the resurrection? That's a big difference, right? You can believe in the resurrection and not believe in the Jesus of the resurrection. And what, what, what Jesus is asking Martha here is, do you believe that he, the person of Jesus, is the resurrection. And Martha confesses that she believes Jesus is the one the Old Testament predicted to be the Savior of the world. She's saying, you're the Messiah. Martha said, you are the Son of God. You're the Son of God. Now, this belief has three parts, right? Knowledge, agreement, which means we come to terms with the truth, and then action. To have saving belief, we must know some things. And Martha knows Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. She agrees that this is true, and she's yielded her life to this reality by being an obedient follower of Jesus. So, Jesus brings sure hope. He brings new life for all those who believe. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? What Jesus means for us is all over this passage. And I think this is a real practical passage when it comes to the person and work of Jesus. The first one is this. What, what this means to us is that Jesus offers us five things. The first one is this, punctuality. As a good preacher, I want you to know I spent a lot of time this week, and each one of these is going to start with P. Okay? Now, you're welcome. Okay? You're welcome. Punctuality. What does that mean? Jesus is always on time. Even though it doesn't seem like it, even though it doesn't always feel like it, 
Jesus is always on time. Jesus offers us punctuality. Now, now we see here, um, again, if you go back to verse 15, it wasn't on the screen, uh, but Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. I find it very interesting, and I was having a conversation over the summer with somebody about this passage in particular, and you know, we see Mary Martha at a, at a completely different uh, uh, stage um, in, in, in life where, where Martha's sitting at Jesus' feet. I mean, excuse me, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha is tending you know, to the kitchen. She's doing the different things, they're doing the different chores of the house. And in that moment, right, Jesus met Mary where she needed to be met. Here, right, here we see Martha getting Jesus right where she needs to meet Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that cool? Um, and, so, and, so, and so I want you to see Jesus was right on time for Martha. Jesus was right on time for Mary. Jesus was right on time for Lazarus. Even though he waited a couple of days and Martha came running out of the house, Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What confidence she had in Jesus. What faith she had in Jesus. At that point, even though she didn't understand what was about to happen, Jesus was right on time. In your life, you need to know Jesus is right on time. Jesus is right on time. Number two, purpose. Jesus is explaining to Martha here about a bigger life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I, I, I offer abundant life, right? That life plus we talked about over the last couple weeks, right? Um, and, and so he, he's, he, he offers a bigger life, purpose. Um, I was listening to a a preacher uh, this morning just 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 kind of um, just listening to something and and he he started out he said you know have you ever wanted something more have you ever wondered if there was more out there for you have you ever doubted your purpose have you ever doubted your being have you ever doubted your value and he said something very simply he said come to Jesus he is the giver of value he's the giver of life He's the giver of purpose. I thought, wow, that's good. It's almost like he's in control and wanted me to share that this morning. And with this, Jesus offers us purpose, a bigger life. Number three, this is where we're going to get a little bit to the rest of the story. Jesus offers passion. Jesus offers passion. That's one of the things I, I, I love most about Jesus. When I look at the person and work of Jesus throughout the Gospels, Jesus is a passionate person. Jesus is a passionate person. People wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to follow Jesus. And, and that's a little surprising and a little shocking with some of the things that he said. I mean, this isn't an easy conversation, talking about the resurrection, talking about death, talking about death eternally or, 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 or raising from the dead. It's not an easy conversation to have, and yet Jesus has it and creates even more followers as a result of the tough conversations. That ought to be a little bit of an implication for us that, hey, the conversation doesn't always have to be easy for there to be growth.
Jesus was passionate in, in, in this. In this, if you, if you keep reading down, we get to some of our favorite verse here um, because, because uh, Jesus says in verse 34, where have you laid him? They're talking about the death of, of Lazarus again and, and, and Mary had gone to get, uh, Martha had gone to get Mary. Mary comes out and, and Jesus says, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, all of our favorite verse because it's so short and was great for memorization quizzes. In Sunday school, Jesus wept. We see his passion. We see his passion for Lazarus. We see his passion in response to Martha and Mary's heart and their concern for their, for their brother. Jesus wept. And number four, Jesus offers power. Jesus offers power. Look at verses 39 through 45. I want to read this. Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone that is covering the cave where Lazarus lay. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Notice what John records here. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man. He's no longer Lazarus. After four days, he's the dead man. The, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, to really get this, we've got to jump back to verse 14 where again for the third time this morning, we read Lazarus has died and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Jesus is saying before all of this happened, before they went and had the encounter with Martha and then Martha went to get Mary and then Jesus went and then he went and healed Lazarus. Before it all, Jesus says, I'm glad I was not there for your sake that you may believe because Jesus knew that he was about to do a transformation work and that he was going to create some believers as a result. That he was going to draw some people to himself as a result of the work that he was about to do. Isn't that awesome? Jesus knew and had the ability to change through his power. I've made the statement before a few times in talking about prayer. Everybody prays when the temperature gets hot enough. Speaking of which, it was cold at the beginning of this service. Is it just me or is it warming up in here? We're going to have church outside amongst the colors in a second service. Everybody prays when the temperature gets hot enough. But what if we lived every day, moment by moment, with a desperate need for God to be in the ordinary? To transform the ordinary. 
can't, can't tell you. I can't tell. You want a parenting seminar? Here it is. Pray for your kids. Number one. Number one. They're driving you crazy? Pray for them. Lay hands on them. Not in a, like, like in a prayerful way. Lay hands on them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. You want to transform your marriage? Pray for her. Pray for him. You're dating somebody? The first thing you ought to be doing is praying for him. Pray. Pray. You want to hurt your boss? Pray for him. Pray for him. You get what I'm saying. Pray for them. Jesus has the ability to change things. Doesn't mean he will. But he'll either change the situation or he'll change your perspective of the situation. Man, that was good. That wasn't even in the notes. All right, number five. Last thing. Last thing. Jesus offers people. I think this is the biggest testimony of the church right here. Jesus offers people. Look at verse 44. Verse 44, the man who had died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Believed in him. Jesus offers us a community of care. Jesus offers us a community of care. And that community is bigger than these four walls. That Jesus community is bigger than these four walls. I, I, was, um, I was sitting at field hockey last Saturday morning. Sitting at field hockey. Worship team can come. And uh, get ready to play our closing song. But I was sitting at field hockey and I, I received a call from a 704 number. Which is a Charlotte, North Carolina number. And that got me excited. I'm just going to be honest with you because I knew that on the other side of that phone I was going to hear somebody with a southern accent that knew about sweet tea and was going to probably say y'all. And I'm sorry to say that that got me excited, but it's the little things, okay? So I answered the phone. I said, hello, this is Travis. As I do with typical phone numbers I don't recognize. I said, hello, this is Travis. And on the other line I got... This lady um, that said, I've been looking for your number all morning. And she said, uh, my name is Trudy. Definitely from the South. My name is Trudy. And uh, we were vacationing in Maine. And my husband uh, fell and, and, and could tell that she was an older lady. My husband fell and he's got a blood clot in his brain. And uh, we're now stuck in Maine. And we have nobody to... To, to around us, with nobody to, to pray for us, and we're kind of stranded and we're stuck in Maine. Could you could you just pray for us? Could you just pray for us? I said, Yeah. Where are you? I, I'll I'll come and I'll come and 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 find you and and um and 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 come. To, anyway, long story short, she called me. I believe it was Thursday, and uh, she said my husband got worse. Um, the 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 clot's not healing on its own. He's going into surgery. Would you just pray? I'm like, 
Trudy, can I come to the hospital and see you guys? She said, no, you don't need to come to the hospital. Um, things are moving quickly up here. Just don't, don't come to the hospital. Just, just pray for us. And so I prayed with her right there on the phone as I was standing in the welcome center right here at church. Just pray for, She said, thank you so much, Pastor. That means so much to me. I'll let you know how it goes. And I said, please do. Please do. Friday afternoon, I got a phone call. The surgery's good. Everything's great. He's, in reco- he's recovering awesome. We're still at Maine Med. We're going to be here five more days. But my husband is a new man. Thank you so much for caring for me, even just over the phone. Trudy didn't let me meet her. I offered to go over like two or three times. And some people would say, well, you should have just gone over. But out of respect for them, I don't know if that would be intrusive or not. So I just did what she asked me to do. I cared for her over the phone. And that's the family of God. That's the community of care that God offers us. It's not limited to these four walls. It's not limited to these four walls. And can I tell you something we've got to get out of the habit of doing? Can I tell you something we've got to get out of the habit of doing? We've got to get out of the habit of, 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 of dividing ourselves amongst denominations or amongst uh, worship styles or amongst dress codes within churches. You know the most important question I ask these days when I travel, when I go different places and I meet different people, hey, are you a Jesus person? Because if you're a Jesus person, then we can get along. If you're a Jesus person, we're on the same team. If you're a Jesus person, we're in the same family. It doesn't matter what your preferences are on Sunday morning and how you get down with Jesus on a daily basis and, 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 and what all that looks like. If you dance around and shout and wave flags and do all that stuff, praise God, right? If you stand there and, and internalize the song a little bit more and look like you're bored to death, praise God. It doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. Are you on the Jesus team? Because that's what matters. I'll see you in heaven. Or maybe I won't. But it's not going to matter. Because we're all about Jesus. Some of you are like, I don't want him to do my funeral. Because that's not very comforting. I won't say that. The truth is we don't know. But isn't that also the beauty of Jesus? Because I don't know what you, I don't know what 15 minutes from now looks like. I don't know what 15 days from now looks like. I don't know. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I know we want to have plans. I get it. But it doesn't matter. All that matters, Jesus. And in that name, we have hope. In that name, there's new life. If we believe. My action step this morning is very simple. Like Jesus, with Martha. Martha, do you believe this? Not just do you believe in the overall, do you believe Jesus as the resurrection? Do you believe? Let's pray.